If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, like me, to get six months of rent ready for $1, which is crazy. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, Show 45. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, founder of Bigger Pockets and host of this, the Bigger Pockets podcast. Here with my fellow host, Brandon. What's up, Josh? What's up, Brandy? What's up? Uh, you're you're back from your mancation. I am back from the mancation. Absolutely. Yeah, I went to I went to Vegas for three days of debauchery. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm sure you had a good time while I was attempting to hold down the fort. <laughs> yeah, I, I still I still worked every day, but yes. no, it was it was. It was cool, you know. Vegas. I I used to live in LA, so Vegas was a weekend trip for us, and and it's always nice to go back to. Although 
I got to tell you, it's, you know, they, they got to get, they got to make some changes there. You know, I mean, they're, they're building that city out and they're doing some amazing things like city center is absolutely incredible, but it's just getting, the city's getting shadier, like the strip <laughs> shadier and shadier. I mean, you're, there's more and more, you know, there's little characters running around trying to like hug kids and get pictures taken. <laughs> it's like, you know, all the people giving you the flyers for the nudie bars and like, you know, every five feet there's somebody hawking a bar. It's just, it's kind of annoying. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. Outside the casinos, it, it's definitely shady as hell. Outside the casinos? Outside shady. the casinos. Now you go in the casino. And, Not you know, shady at all. I mean, the dark, no. smoky rooms, the no, kind of yeah. creepy I, although old Although I did people. learn a new game, Baccarat, which, which, is, uh, which is a fascinating game, the best odds in the house. And, and uh, Interesting. Uh, I, uh, something I definitely recommend if you're a gambler, Mini Bock is, is uh, kind of fun. It's nice. kind of fun. So check it out. But yeah, it was good. It was cool. good. And thanks you know, for holding down the fort. Yeah. Well, you know, the other the other big thing about uh, going on right now is the uh, no shave November. I don't know if you noticed my uh, my scruffy beard is, you know, you always have a scruffy beard. Yeah, I always this is scruffier, though. I mean, this is like an inch long now. Look at this. So, what? you know, it's funny because I always thought it was kind of fringy until I was I don't know. The TV was on the other day and I saw Matt Lauer was doing Movember. And, oh, uh, nice. You know, if if you don't know what what No Shave November, it's it's in honor of men's health, I guess, and and uh, not the magazine, but actual uh, <laughs> uh, man health, and and so uh, I just want to look yeah. more manly. I don't know, I don't know about yeah. health, but yeah, it's all about growing a beard and representing <laughs> for for dudes and their their privates. So oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, but uh, well, today uh, today we we get to we get to bring something back. What do we what do we bring back? Are we bringing sexy back, Brandon? We are we are bringing sexy back, and we're also bringing back our quick, quick tip because we've got a really good one. All right, so for today's quick tip, we're going to talk about a new feature that I uh, we we end up talking about this a couple times in the show, but I just want to harp on it. Uh, if you go to biggerpockets.com/meet, or if you go to our network uh, link in the blue navigation bar, uh, you will see that we have redesigned that page now. You can go on Bigger Pockets and find out who on Bigger Pockets lives in your area. So you can actually sort users by zip code. Uh, so you can say, hey, who's in my zip? Or you can see who lives within 5 miles, 10 miles, I think 25, 50, and 100 miles. And, uh, 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 you know, th- th- it's a great feature. You know, we've, we've wanted to do this for a while. And, uh, you know, what that'll do is it'll allow you to basically better network with more people in your area. You know, you think, hey, I have to go to a RIA to network locally. Well, now you just go to BiggerPockets, go to BiggerPockets.com slash meet, and you can find out who all those local folks are and follow them, send colleague requests, and link up. Now, there is a caveat, of course. Uh, in your zip code, uh, anybody and everybody can go and uh, see who uh, who's there However, if you want to see folks in outer ranges, the 5, 10, 25, 50, and 100 mile range, uh, you do have to have a pro account. So uh, you can upgrade to pro at biggerpockets.com slash pro uh, in order to get access to that. But otherwise, we did want to make available everyone in your zip to all users. And again, you can do that at biggerpockets.com slash meet. So that's today's quick tip. And uh, it's nice to have it back. Nice. All right. Well, let's get on to the show. Uh, today, we are going to talk with a an investor, Tom Sylvester. 
<laughs> that rhymed. Investor Sylvester. Yeah, I wonder he's cringing right now. Anyway, we're talking with Tom Sylvester. He is a buy and hold investor from the Rochester, New York area. And he is uh, he's really doing some good stuff over there in Rochester. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk to him. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be good. He focuses in particular on rural properties. Rural and, uh, properties, yep. Yeah, yeah, rural properties in in Rochester, Rochester rural. Say that ten times fast. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But Tom, Tom's got a lot of lot of cool insight. We're we're gonna explore a bunch of cool topics. So why don't we bring him in and uh, get this thing going? So let's do it. Yeah, Tom, welcome to the show, man. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh, this is this is gonna be good. You have a lot of a uh, a lot of good stories to tell. I know I read your stories on the Bigger Pockets blog all the time, so hopefully we can get into those today. Uh, why don't we just start really uh, at the basic, like we always do? How did you get started with real estate? Yeah, so it's a it's a long story, but I'll try to keep it relatively short. Um, so when I look back, I was always uh, an entrepreneur. When I was five, I. Uh, actually created a candy store out of my bedroom and everyone that would stop by the house would have to stop in and get some candy, you know, buy it uh, from the store in the bulk section, sell it off individually. And uh, things just went from there. So, uh, you know, I never, never was really a big reader never was really too much into, you know, the educational or financial aspects of things. But uh, when I got to college, someone gave me a book called the automatic millionaire. And when I read that, it kind of, you know, clicked. And I said, you know, almost done with school and I got to figure out, you know, what am I going to do financially for the rest of my life? And from there, I actually started reading a lot of different books. Um, one of the big ones was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, as everyone on the show has said. So yeah. that changed my life and changed the way I looked at uh, assets, liabilities, and really just money in general. Okay. So I got out, of, got out of school and I started investing in the stock market. And I read as many books as I could, uh, thought I knew a lot, and then realized I knew nothing at all and I could not control the stock market. <laughs> you, you, you and countless millions of others, including all the smartest guys on Wall Street. Yep, yep. Uh, so from the stock market, I looked around and said, well, what else can I do to reach some of my goals? Which one of the big goals was, you know, I wanted to have financial freedom and I wanted the ability to retire from a day job within 15 years. So, you know, when I was looking around to see what I could do to get there, real estate was a big one. And my wife and I had just graduated from college. We actually moved out to Rochester, New York, and I got my first job. And when we were looking around, we said, you know, we're living in an apartment right now and we're paying rent. Why don't we just buy a duplex and, you know, we'll have our mortgage paid for us. Nice. Chime in, Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I do like that strategy. Did you say I, I gave... I gave Brandon a lob right there. <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. Yes. Softball. Yes, thank you. Uh, yep. Did you buy a duplex then? Uh, we did not. So when we looked oh. for our first house, my uh, my plan was the duplex, and the wife said, I don't know about this real estate thing. So we ended up buying a single family. Gotcha. And there was a little bit of a setback in my investing career because I'm like, well, if I don't buy the duplex, now we got this mortgage payment, what do I do? So I started looking around at local RIAs, uh, started talking to different people, and then I was driving home one day and I heard this ad on the radio for a free two hour seminar for how to make millions in real estate. And I said, that's it. You know, this is what I got to do. So as probably most people on this call know, you go to that two hour seminar and then they have an upsell and that upsell goes to a three day seminar. 
And then that's an upsell. And long and short of it, we ended up spending about $15,000 on uh, the guru real estate training. Wait a second. Hold on, Tom. Hold on. <laughs> Hold your horses, buddy. That's not true. I don't believe it. It can't really be that way, can it? No, no. And the best part was I put it on a credit card. Oh, did, you they, up, did you make the call and, uh, and increase the limit on your card? I did. You know, that was the best part about investing is you got to increase that limit on your credit card. <laughs> All right. So, so yeah, uh, you, you went in, you, you went to the one, got sucked to the next, to the next. Um, how did that end up going for you? So looking back on it now, I was actually, I had enough knowledge after the, the three-day training to go ahead and get started. And that was a $500 training. So between the time I did the three-day training and the time that we uh, were supposed to go on and take these additional four trainings, uh, I ended up finding a duplex in the newspaper and uh, put an offer in and got accepted. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Yep. That's great. So, so tell, us, tell us about that first property. Uh, so the first property, like I said, was in the newspaper. We had, uh, I think they were asking 32000 for it. Uh, we went back and negotiated down to 26000 and we ended up purchasing it for that price. And one of the great things about that first deal was I had found bigger pockets a little bit before that. So we got the offer accepted, and I put the a blog or a forum post on and said, "Hey guys, can you analyze this deal? Make sure I ran the numbers right." I had a whole bunch of people that came on and said, "Yeah, it's a great deal. Go ahead with it." Nice. Uh, as we went through the rest of the deal, I ended up posting two more times on bigger pockets just to say. Well, there's a potential issue. Now we can't get financing because the bank's saying that this is a car loan uh, size, not a mortgage <laughs> size. No. Must, must, be, must be rough to, to be buying properties <laughs> the size of a car loan. Yes, yes. So that was an unexpected <laughs> issue. You know, the, the gurus always said, you know, go find the property and the money will be there. Yeah. And we got to a situation where we had this great deal. People were telling me it was, and, you know, we couldn't find the financing. Gotcha. So, uh, bigger pockets actually gave some recommendations. We went out and found financing, and we ended up closing that deal. Oh, fabulous! Nice. So, twenty six k duplex. What did, what did it rent for? Uh, Eleven fifty a month. Uh, that's that's pretty darn good. good. Did it need a lot of work or anything? No. So, actually, there were tenants uh, existing in there. We've put put about two thousand dollars into it since then, but uh, most of it was just cosmetic. The furnace, roof, everything else was good. Wow. So, so what kind of duplex? I mean, what kind of neighborhood are you looking at to get a twenty-six thousand dollars duplex? There is that ghetto, or is that all right? So actually, it's uh, the hometown that I grew up in. Okay. Uh, Population is about thirty-five hundred. So I'm very familiar with the area, and um, you know, small rural town. Yeah. Wow. That's actually That's the awesome. same size of my town. I think we have in my little town we have thirty-five hundred people, and uh, we don't have twenty-six thousand dollars duplex. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. <laughs> Do you guys want to have like your own little like podunk town, like you know, love fest here? Or are we going to do another? <laughs> <laughs> I like small towns. Let's let's actually talk real quick on that because you wrote a post on that on the Bigger Pockets blog the other day about investing in a small area. So, did you do you think that's a good idea for other people to get into investing in r- rural? <laughs> did I say that right? There we go rural. <laughs> rural. <laughs> they were mocking me before the show that they were going to make me say that, and they just did. Make you say what? <laughs> <laughs> So Tom, rural. What do you, what are your thoughts? I mean, uh, you're a fan, correct? Oh yeah, big fan. And wh- how I think uh, yeah, I think a lot of it is you know a lot of people think they have to go and invest uh, long term or long distance, which you know you definitely can do. But um, there's another train of thought that you can always find something within your local market, you know, within an hour or two drive. So we actually live in Rochester right now, which is about an hour away. 
Um, but there's a lot of opportunity in that small town. And in that blog post I wrote, we talked about um, how you can build your, your brand a lot easier. Uh, you don't have some of the issues that you have with the bigger cities. Um, you know, so there's a lot of benefits to having that, uh, that small rural area where you can really build that business and not just be another fish in the sea. Yeah, no, that's great. You know, and we'll point to a link uh, to that in the show notes uh, for, for the podcast, which you can find at biggerpockets.com slash show 45. Um, along, along those lines, are there any negatives really that, that would come from investing in a rural area? I, I could see, you know, potentially just being at a distance to um, hardware, you know, big hardware stores, big box stores. So m- maybe things like that. But, uh, you know, what, what other issues might potentially be out there for a r- rural, uh, <laughs> rural properties? Yeah, after dissing out Josh, and then you go and do it. <laughs> or I'm sorry, Brandon. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so there's a couple things. Uh, one is your pool of renters are a lot smaller. So we typically do buy and holds. Um, so you know you don't have nearly as many people that want to rent those properties. Uh, also, the strategy that you choose has a big impact on that. So in that small area, there's only a handful of investors. So something like wholesaling isn't going to work nearly as well as it does in a bigger city. Yep. So you really have to look at the strategy, um, what you're good at, what your niche is, and figure out, is that area good for you? That's, that's great. Yeah. You know what? One thing I find in my area is that because it's really small, and you know, there's larger towns around where I live, but just in general, because I live in a smaller area, I have a really hard time finding good contractors because there aren't 100 or 200 to choose from. There's like 15 of them to choose from. And I, I mean, on, on that regard, when you find a good one, like everyone knows who the good one is. And so it's easier maybe to find, but I don't know. I, I have a real hard time. Do you, do you find that at all in your area? Yeah. So, you know, you guys have talked a lot about contractors and how to find good ones. And uh, one of the nice things with uh, myself is I actually partnered with my father. My father's worked in construction for about 30 years. So he knows, um, you know, everything from plumbing to electrical. He's built three of his own houses. Okay. So he takes care of more of the contracting side of things. And when we first started, we were doing all the work ourselves. And then, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, E-Myth, 4-Hour Workweek. And one of the big things I wanted to do as we built our business was do less and less of the hands-on work ourselves and hire more of it out. So my father has a lot of local connections. So he's, you know, he's the guy that knows who the good contractors are and who the ones we are that we want to avoid. And uh, he does a lot of that um, hiring those people in. Yeah, that's smart. I mean, it's nice when you have a resource like that to use. You know, speaking of that, uh, there's something in business called what is it called a called an unfair advantage, where like there are certain things in your business that you're that you just happen to have that work well for you. In your case, kind of your unfair advantage is having a father who knew the business. And people will complain, you know, well, I don't have a father who knows the business, but you know, everybody has an unfair advantage of some kind, and you just got to find what that is and, and to exploit it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very important thing. You know, everyone's got uh, things that they're very good at and things that, you know, maybe they're a little weak on. Take those ones that you're very good at or take those opportunities that you have and exploit those. Yeah. Yeah. Very that's cool. great advice. That's great advice. Hey, I, so I want to I want to jump back if if you guys are done with your little rural love fest here. <laughs> and uh, you know, maybe we could talk about some real real things that people in the cities actually care about. Yeah. You know? <laughs> hey, hey Josh, cool? Josh, how much is your house payment? 
What's that? How much is your house payment? Maybe well, you don't yeah, want to publicly yeah. say this, but I'll tell everyone mine is three hundred and eighty dollars a month. Yeah, mine is it, mine is many times <laughs> yes. the three hundred and eighty-five dollars a month, and I do not live in a big house. I live in a <laughs> little little uh, twenty-four hundred square foot house, which includes a basement in uh, in the city of Denver. So yeah, it's yeah, that would be nice. That would, but <laughs> no, but but you know, of course, I can go and you know walk. Uh, I don't know. Let's see, uh, half a mile to the train station to take me downtown in seven minutes and hang out in the big city. I could go to restaurants. We have, you know, I don't know. We have. I'm not going to diss on the rural people. I love my rural people. <laughs> Keep listening, to rural folks. Keep listening. I, was say, I don't. I don't think you we can take a walk and go cow tipping, though. We love That's you. true. You can't go cow tipping. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get right. in bar fights quite as easy. I mean, we. Uh, you we know, that's something I really miss. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> it's an opportunity I just don't get. But, but uh, all right. So I, I wanted to circle back to to the the training stuff for a second because I I believe um, you you know beyond just the the, uh, the that training that you went to there was. You know, you you had experienced some of the negatives that kind of come with it, um, and and maybe you can talk a little bit more about some some of the those, you know, the, the the negatives that you experienced. Yeah, I mean, one of the big things is, you know, we all see a lot of people get started in real estate, and a lot of people don't stay in real estate, and you know, that's one of the the final four questions that you have, and. With that, that guru training, a lot of it is hyping people up and not really giving people actual knowledge. So you go to those courses and they give you just little uh, little crumbs and you, you grab that and you say, oh, this is great, but I don't have enough to get started. So one of the big things with the gurus is you know, it doesn't matter how much money you're going to pay them, they're going to still upsell you. So the next upsell that we would have had would have been this personal mentoring. And that cost even more than the advanced training, you know, advanced training in quotes. Um, that we received. So when I look at all the people that took that training with us, I don't know if a single one of them is still in real estate. And thankfully for me, um, I found bigger pockets and got the actual knowledge to do these deals, not just uh, you know what we got from this advanced training. So, so what can you know? Because I I, I didn't bring it up just so we can bag on those guys. I brought it up so. <laughs> so um, That's so much fun, know. Josh. Come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so no, I mean I. People listen to this. There are there are people who are considering, who are listening to the show right now, who are considering going out there and spending, you know, going to a free introductory seminar, you know, or they want to go to the nine ninety seven boot camp or five thousand or the fifteen thousand, you know, and 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 so, you know, what what can you tell those people about, you know, not necessarily, you know. What to do there? How to you know how to walk away without you know blowing your wallet? How to, you know is it worth going at all? Or or you know can they get anything out of these things that that's going to help them? Or or is there just a, a different route to take? I mean, it's different strokes for different folks, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, I I think that's key. Um, I'm someone who's very self motivated. Uh, I can learn a lot on my own. I read a ton of books, and. It was good for me to go to the three-day training. It cost about $500. And what that did for me was gave me, here's a spectrum of real estate. Here's all the different types of ways that you can invest. And then I got to pick and choose from that and say, well, you know, back to Brandon's point earlier, what, what can I be successful at based on the experience I have and the people I have around me? So going to that three-day training and spending that $500 was huge. But that's all I personally needed in order to move forward. 
And with the internet, with bigger pockets, with all these things out there, with your local real estate um, investors, there's so much information you can get that you don't have to go and spend all this money with gurus uh, yeah. to get that. Right on, right on. And and you know the that five hundred dollars, not not to stick a stick in your back or anything here, but that that could have been saved by reading the Ultimate Beginner's Guide to Real Estate Investing on Bigger Pockets. And uh, we, there's also a post that we uh, we put together. It's a hundred ways to make money using real estate, and and we'll link to both of those in the show notes for anybody listening. Because you know there are a ton ton of ways to get going, and and um, you know if that alone is what you need to know to kind of figure it out, then you know we've got it available now for those folks. And 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 you know frankly, I'm glad I'm glad you went to those seminars because. You know, they did help you out and they got you motivated and you're out and doing it and killing it. So that's awesome. And, you know, one of the things that I people ask all the time on the forums, how do I get started? What's the best way to get started? What's my first step? And generally, the advice I like to give is is just to surround yourself with real estate investors, whether that's on bigger pockets or it's at a local, you know, real estate club or it, you know, however you can do it, surround yourself with it. And, and, and I mean, the podcasts, I think, are an, a great way to do it because you just get to hear different ways of investing. Because just like you said, Tom, there's, you know, you got to figure out what works in your area with your certain skills and the people you have around you. And so, yeah, flipping might not work, wholesaling might not work, whatever might not work. But by the more you familiar yourself with it, the more you have a chance to find out what will work and then exploit that and make it work and make uh, become successful. So, very yeah. Cool. There's a post that I put on my personal Bigger Pockets blog um, before I started blogging for you guys about uh, how to get started in real estate with $100. And with that post, it's a couple things you can do that don't cost a lot of money to really get you in and understand what is the spectrum of real estate so you can figure out is this something for you and if so, where do you want to go from there? Yeah. And you know, one of the big things with that is reaching out to those local people. Um, go buy a couple local investors' coffee, or I think you guys said before, buy them steak. But uh, <laughs> whatever you whatever you buy and whatever money you put out there, it's going to come back to you way way more. Yeah. Nice, that's awesome. Yeah. And speaking of that, I got to plug something. Okay. As of uh, as of uh, last week, at the time this show comes out, uh, you will be able to go on Bigger Pockets. And find local investors. You can uh, through the site. You can actually find out folks who are on the site in your zip code now, and you can also find people within five, ten. I think what is it? Five, ten, twenty-five, fifty, and a uh, hundred miles yep. of of your area. So you can literally just jump on the site at biggerpockets.com/meet and uh, start finding people in your area to to connect with today. And uh, so. I, I did. I, I did that like an hour ago, and I found like a dozen people in my town that I didn't even know invested. <laughs> so like, I, I did, and I was shocked too. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't believe how many people in my zip code are on the site. So it's it's uh it's pretty awesome. But uh, oh. that's that's awesome, and I just want to thank you guys. Um, you know, Josh put a lot of work into that site, and you know, you guys keep adding the features, the keyword alerts, um, the podcast. You know, I. I started using Bigger Pockets several years ago, and I kind of stepped away. And one of the reasons I came back and started writing for you guys, and I'm very happy to do this, is to you know give back because you know you guys have given so much to me, and there's so much free knowledge, so many good people on that site that it's awesome to be able to help uh, help people back. Oh, thanks, man. That's cool. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, so I I got a question uh, that goes back to something that you were talking about earlier. You said that your wife didn't let you buy. The <laughs> And you know, I, 
I think that's something a lot of people probably experience. You know, I, I can see, you know, I knew when I was getting into it, you know, my, my wife was a little skeptical, hesitant. It wasn't my wife at the time, I don't think. But, uh, you know, still was a little, you know, a little nervous about it. Um, how did you go about convincing her that uh, buying, what was it, that $20, uh, $26,000 duplex, how did you, how'd you get her to agree? Did you buy her a big fat stick in there, a diamond <laughs> ring? What, what did you do? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we, we talked about it and, you know, we had a lot of tough conversations and one of the things that kind of kicked that into gear was, well, I spent all this money on the credit card, I better go do something to pay it back. Gotcha. Um, but the big thing that really, I think that really convinced her was we looked out and we said, you know, what do we want our lives to be and what do we want our goals to be? And I think uh, Brandon's talked about this before, pick a goal out, say 10 years and work backwards and say, how do I get to that goal and what do I got to do in five years and three years and one year to get there? And we knew that we wanted to be able to have financial freedom and this was one of the ways we could do it. Okay. And, and what advice would you have for somebody else who, beyond that, uh, whose wife might be skeptical, who may not have you know, thrown 15K on, on a program already, <laughs> who's just like, you know, they really want to do it. And, you know, how do you, I don't know. I mean, how do you convince your spouse or partner to... to you know, let you let you give it a shot. You know, anytime you go to do something, whether it's starting in real estate, uh, people that started a business, there's going to be naysayers. And a lot of people with real estate are naysayers. But if you look at those same people, they've never invested in real estate. So go and look at people that are actually doing what you want to do and talk to them. Uh, so, you know, take them and their wife out to dinner and say, what are you guys doing? Tell us how things are going. And really talking to people that are doing it will help build that confidence. That's great advice. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a post also. I'll just uh, recommend that uh, Seth Williams wrote it uh, probably a month ago, but it was basically called I, I can't remember the exact title, but I'll link to it in the show notes. But uh, yeah, how do you deal with a spouse or a partner who does not want to invest in real estate? It was really, really, really good. I thought so. Yeah. Again, I'll link to that in the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show forty four. That's actually show forty five. But nice try, that. <laughs> Slash someday Brandon, I'll get that. <laughs> Biggerpockets.com slash show forty five. Ignore, ignore my ignore earlier. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Hey, anyway. our, our uh, rural. <laughs> All right, yeah, thanks. All right, let, 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 let's move on. How about uh, so since that first duplex, what else? I mean, what kind of came next? What's the rest of your story look like? Yep. So that first duplex, I actually bought with my cousin. Um, I ended up partnering with him because I didn't have enough money for the down payment. And I wanted to partner with my father, but he, I don't think, really thought I was serious. You know, young kid out of college wants to invest in real estate. What's he going to do? Yeah. Um, but once he found that I knew what I was doing, I got a good deal and I was serious about it, I ended up partnering with him. And we bought uh, quite a few properties together, uh, mostly buy and hold. And, uh, you know, we've just kind of stepped up to uh, a little bit bigger properties. And now we're starting to branch out, uh, you know, going into next year for that. Okay, cool. And, and I read somewhere that you opened up a like a was a liquor store or wine store or something like that. <laughs> yes, yes. How'd that come about? Uh, so actually, when I was in college, my father gave me a phone call, and best news you could ever have for a college kid is, "Hey, I bought a liquor store." <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Dude. Um, yeah. So uh, summers between college and our breaks, I started working at the liquor store, and uh, being in New York, uh, the Finger Lakes are actually a big area for wine. So I learned quite a bit working at the store about the local area and then got to see the back end of the business and how things were going. Um, 
so from there, I saw that a liquor store was available in the next town for sale. So I went and looked at it. Uh, they were asking too much money, and I said, hey, we buy real estate. Let's go buy uh, a building, and I'll go get my uh, liquor license, and we'll open it up. And it took like a year, but we ended up getting it. And one of the nice things with that was being able to expand out. So now I'm not just held to real estate. I'm diversifying that portfolio into small businesses. Yeah, yeah. You know, that makes sense. I, I'm a big fan of, yeah, the diver- diversification thing. I just can't say diversification very well. All right. So I'm wondering, you mentioned earlier you were just out of college and uh, you wanted to buy this. Your dad th- didn't think you were serious. And I was the same way right out of college. I bought my first so let's talk a little bit about investing in real estate when you're young. Uh, a lot of our listeners are probably under 30. Uh, what kind of advice can you give for people who uh, might be in that uh, age bracket? Yeah, I think one of the first things is just going out and getting educated. Um, so a lot of people want to get into real estate but don't spend the time to actually learn the business uh, and learn the financials that really go along with that. So there's that saying out there, you know, you got to look at 100 deals put offers in on 10 before you buy one. And although you don't necessarily need to go out and look at 100 deals, you got to start to understand what makes a good deal so that when you go and talk to a bank, you can put together that information to say, this is why this investment makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so it's, but, but then I'm this fresh pimpled kid at 22. <laughs> you are? Who, who <laughs> yes, I am. That's right. Who walks into the bank, says, hey, I found a deal, and they look at you, you know, and, and they say, come on, kid, seriously? Well, or, or do they not say that? You know, what, what, what's, uh, what's that all about? Yeah, so actually, we got turned down for our first, uh, first deal with the bank. Uh, we went, showed them the deal, everything looked good, and they called us back a week later and said, you know, you just don't have the assets, the deal looks good, but we're not going to be able to give you that loan. Yeah. Um, so that's when we freaked out a little bit and said, oh, great, we're going to lose this deal. And uh, once again, I turned to bigger pockets and people gave me recommendations on there. We ended up finding another bank that would finance us. But what we've done you know, since then is really gone to a lot of private investors. And what's great about private investors is you don't have to go through the same qualifications that a bank has. So one of my private investors was actually um, one of my teachers from the past. So he knew you know, what I was doing in school. He knew that I was credible. And when I showed him some of the information, um, you know, he really liked that. So it's, there's a lot of different ways to go about this and it's just figuring out what works for you. You're not always going to be successful the first time, but, uh, there's always a different way to get a good deal going through. That's awesome. I think that's the first, you're the first person I've heard who's, who's gone to their teacher. I've heard the mailman, (laughs) I've heard the pool, the pool guy, (laughs) My my wife's lover on the side, but never, <laughs> never my ex teacher. <laughs> so that's uh, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, are there are there any other tips that you uh, you might have for for uh, some of the younger people um, for just you know what what they can do to to get the ball moving? Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're not having success, uh, you just gotta keep being persistent with it and try something different. So one thing that's always brought up is finding a mentor. So I like the recommendations of going out, finding someone who's doing it and offering your services uh, to them. Uh, Even if you're not making money, you're getting so much more in the education and then you have real hands-on experience uh, to be able to then go off and do deals on your own. Yeah, Yeah, that's cool. For sure. So, you know, we talked about earlier about the unfair advantage and I think as a young person, that is your unfair advantage, in a, in a, if you think about it that way. And the reason I say that is because 
when you go to a, an investment club and there's 50 guys around that are all 40 to 60 years old, you kind of blend in with everyone else. But when you go and you're 23 years old and you're like on fire and you're, I mean, every one of those 50, you know, 50 year old guys looks at the younger guy and be like, Oh, that was me. You know, I want to help this kid be, you know, I think that's a huge, huge asset that they don't, people don't young, young people don't play up enough. Yeah. You know, you hit the nail on the head with that. Um, I have so many people that want me to be successful just because of that. They yep. see this young guy who's out there willing to put work in and, uh, you know, they want to give back, you know, because they were in my shoes a long time ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the second thing with that is being a younger person, you've grown up in social media. You know how to use the Internet. Um, my background is actually in IT. So there's a lot of benefit I have to working with other investors where I can help them get their Facebook page set up, do some of that initial marketing, uh, some of the stuff they might not have the familiarity with. Yeah, that's that's very, very, very true. That's very cool. So awesome. Why don't we uh What continue you're gonna say why don't we uh and then you're gonna ask him about uh his private investor teacher and how he ended up locking him in and how that happened and anything else about private investors. That's exactly what I was gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So why don't we uh Yeah. So why don't we uh jump back a little bit to where you talked about that teacher that invested with you. Can you kind of share how did you even approached that with him? I mean, did you just call him up and say, hey, you know, remember me from high school geometry? I mean, how did that work? <laughs> yeah, so I think one of the things that's important is to keep in touch with people. Um, you never know, and not just for a business aspect, but you never know when you're going to be able to help someone else out or they're going to be able to help you out. Um, so I kept in touch with that teacher. We actually met out for lunch one day. I told him, you know, he saw online that we were doing this real estate investing. I told him that we were looking at a deal in his town uh, he asked about some of the details, and I walked him through it, and he actually offered. I didn't even ask. He said, you know, well, I've got some money sitting around if uh, you want me to invest with you. So we talked through it, and, uh, you know, a week later, we had the money. That's awesome. And, you know, one of the big things he liked was not only was he making more money than he was sitting in a savings account, he was also investing in the local community. So we took a building that was vacant and renovated it, got tenants in there, and now um, it's not an eyesore to the community anymore. Nice. 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 So so what kind of terms do you offer to your private investors whether it's uh your teacher or or you know somebody else that you work with? Yep, so a lot of it depends on the deal and a lot of it depends on what those people want. Uh so there's some where we've structured um monthly payments or interest only payments and then there's some where the people just said go I want my money to roll and we'll do a lump sum payment at the end with principal and interest. So you could pretty much uh, fabricate it however you want. You just you kind of come out with your pitch, and and they either like it or they make modifications, and you go from there. Yep. What do those rates look like? You know, what kind of interest rates are we generally talking about? So we've had some down into the five percent. We have some uh, at this point up into eight and a half, nine percent. Okay. Not bad. So. Not bad. Uh, you know, you you mentioned something earlier that I want to touch on again. I never really thought about it in these terms, but about keeping in touch with people in your past. And then you mentioned Facebook. And I thought, I don't think enough investors do that. You know, like I don't, I personally, I don't talk about my investing on my Facebook ever. And I know there's a lot of reasons why maybe you don't want to, but at the same time, maybe there is a reason you'd want to, because I mean, you've got three, four, 500 friends on your Facebook page and each of them have three, 400 friends. I mean, that's a huge network you have of potential people when they can see you succeed that they may want to partner with you. I don't know. I'd be curious to know how many people have found deals and, uh, you know, actually work that way. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, even just beyond that, 
once people realized that I was investing in real estate, I've actually helped a lot of other people get started in real estate. Um, I never knew they had the passion for it. Uh, you know, they took me out for coffee, like I recommend, and uh, now they're out being successful too. So to me, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I, I, I think I think there's an advantage. You know, there's things you want to be cautious about, right? I mean, you know, you start, you know, you, you start publishing things, and you know, you may may get some people out of the woodwork, right? You may get that old. Uh, middle school buddy who was your chum and who, you know, said in like, Hey, best friend, uh, you got cash or, you know, your, your second aunt three times removed, you know, tries to hit you up. But I mean, you know, I guess that, that all kind of relates to how you deal with your family personally. If somebody hops out of the woodwork and it's like, I need money from you, you know, piss off. But, but <laughs> I, uh, I do get that almost weekly, honestly. Like I have old friends of mine that'll come out of nowhere and just ask me for money. Like all the time, because everyone thinks I'm like loaded or something, and so, <laughs> like, because obviously I talk about real estate. Yeah, it's always like I need twenty bucks, dude. I just, I just need twenty bucks. I'm like, no, I need twenty bucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I don't know about that. Yeah. I don't know, but but yeah, I mean, I think that's the downside. But but I think if you, um, you know, by by sharing stuff and blogging and and putting things out there, I I I don't think there's really that much of a detriment other than. Uh, you know, the, the benefit is you, you, you're going to have a lot of opportunity potentially come to you. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor, to get six months of Rent Ready for $1. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. And BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. So, so where are you buying today? Are you, you still buying in the rural areas? Are you buying in the city in Rochester proper? What's, what's kind of uh, the pathway? Yeah, so at this point, we're still buying, uh, mostly buying holds in the rural areas. But uh, one of the things we're looking at in the next year is to possibly get um, up closer to Rochester in the city and do more flips. Okay. Um, so my father actually is no longer working a day job. And because he's got the construction background, he could be the GC on our jobs and sub out uh, flips that will actually give us more cash for the business. Are, are you still working a day job or are you full-time? Yes, I work a day job. Okay. So um, how, how, do you, how do you manage all this? I mean, you're, you're a landlord. You're not flipping or anything like that. So I, I, I guess, you know, it, it just comes down to having good management. Is that right? Yeah, you know, I, I wrote a blog post about this uh, a couple weeks ago about the benefits of having a day job. And a lot of times people get into real estate and they say, well, you know, I want to get into real estate, quit my job, whatever. There's a lot of people that have done that and been successful, but there's also a lot of people that have probably quit their job too early. And one of the big things with having a day job is you have stability. You can grow that real estate business in your spare time without having to worry about um, how am I going to, you know, pay my rent this month? How am I going to put food on the table? And uh, the other thing it's forced me to do personally is uh, create processes and then outsource those to other people. So I think you guys had uh, James Vermillion on and he talked about, you know, when you're working that day job, you got to have the integrity to actually work that day job and yeah. not do your real estate stuff. Yeah. Um, so I take that very seriously as well. And every time I do uh, something new, I create a process for that and I say, how do I outsource this to someone else? So when I'm at the day job, I can focus on that. And when I'm home, I can focus on my family. That's awesome. Yeah. That's uh, Write that down, folks. That's really, really good advice. That is. Um, and, and, and I think I think it's better in this case, you know, the, the better safe than sorry. I think better, better to leave your day job later than, than too early. Yeah. And we talked about that last week with, uh, with Michael Woodward about how he left his uh, job, but then he had to go back to it because the market changed a little bit and he wasn't, he didn't have that foundation. So that was show 44 of the podcast. So be sure to go back and listen to that. Uh, 
And, and you know, you know, one thing because I work obviously a, a day job here on Bigger Pockets. You know, I spend all my time here. I had to hire a manager, not only just a resident manager, but I hired an office manager to take phone calls, show units, and all that. And I pay her five hundred a month plus a hundred per unit that she rents out. So if there's three or four units in a month, you know, she make a little more. It's very part time, but it, it was enough that it relieved most of my stuff that I had to do. And so between my wife and my office manager, they manage most of the things. So. You know, and you don't have to have a full-time employee. I think people think you have to pay, you know, $3,000 a month in benefits for to have a manager to do something for you. But there's a lot of people at home who would love to work five, 10 hours a week to help you out and make a little bit of side income. So, uh, so when do you, when do you believe the right time to quit your job is like, when is, when should a person actually, you know, do it and, and jump into it full-time? Yeah, you know, I think it's probably going to be different for each person. Um, one of the things that I like is, uh, you know, I wrote a blog post on uh, cash flow one-on-one and how I actually use that to help define my investing strategy. And one of the great things out of that is you want to build your passive income to be greater than your expenses. Once you do that, in theory, you can quit your job and still be able to cover all your bills. So I think that's a good baseline. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. I like to Absolutely. think, though, I, I played cash flow. You know, there's two ways to play. I played it. One, they say, you know, as soon as your income meets your expenses, yeah, you know, your passive income to your expenses, you can quit. And other people play, you have to have double the income uh, in order to quit. I, I tend to lean more towards that. Like you want, you know, because <laughs> things could definitely go wrong. And Josh just suddenly pulled his dog up <laughs> into the interview. So we're going to have a four-person interview now. Yeah, he decided he wanted it on the studio. So, yeah, nice. all right, it's well, all good. Nice. All right, so I guess, do you have any other tips you can offer for kind of balancing your time between finding deals and working a job? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, like you said, um, you know, hire people. It's a big theme of like four-hour work week in EMIF is really create systems and don't work in your business, work on your business. Um, so everything I do, I say, how can I create a process that I can now hand off to someone else so that I don't have to deal with it? Yeah, nice, smart. Nice. How, so... How are you? How are you finding deals these days? You know, is it is it through the MLS direct mail? I I know, you know, I know Rochester is very similar to my favorite town in, in America. <laughs> uh, basketball, Buffalo. You know that. No, that whole that whole quarter is pretty similar, and and, yep. and so you know deals are plentiful, I believe, uh, and quote unquote deals, right? Inexpensive properties are plentiful, but you know, I think the challenge is knowing the difference between an, a cheap property and a deal, and and so that's a tweetable um, topic right there, Josh Dorkin. There you go, man. <laughs> Look there at you, you being insightful. Wow. Apparently, once in a while, I come out of my shell. <laughs> but uh, so let's talk about how you're finding deals and 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 maybe how you're identifying the difference between those in cheapo properties and the real deals. Yeah. So I know a lot of people on here talk about direct mailing and all the marketing they do. Uh, one of the benefits of investing in the rural town is the fact that I actually do very little marketing. Um, we found deals just people putting in the newspaper. We've had people actually come to us because they know we're investing in that town. Uh, we bought deals at the tax foreclosure auctions. So like you said, the deals, at least in my area, are pretty plentiful that we don't have to search too much for them. Gotcha. And yeah. and what about the difference between a, a deal and a deal? A deal and a cheap property. Yep. So one of the reasons, once again, going back to that rural town, why we like it so much is we're very familiar with the area and we know when a deal is good and when it's just a cheap property. Um, there's actually a, a tax foreclosure auction that uh, property sold for 7500 bucks, which was pretty crazy. 
Um, we didn't buy it though because we knew that the area that property was in um, wasn't the area we wanted to invest in. And uh, there was actually some issues with the house that didn't make seventy five hundred a good deal, even though it was very cheap. Yeah. So, so how how would an outsider, who's saying, you know, Detroit man, five hundred dollar house, <laughs> let's go, Rochester, Buffalo, you know, I don't know, Columbus, Ohio, let me piss off everybody in the area there. Come on, what else could I throw out there? Um, no, but you know, how, how do I know? How do I how do I how do I know that is it just having an intimate knowledge intimate knowledge of the of the area or is there any other way to to figure that out? Well, first, I'm glad that now I'm not the only one that Josh is pissed off. So now <laughs> I feel like I have a group connection with uh, you know half a bigger pockets. The haters club. <laughs> um, for me personally, it's just knowing the area. You know, I I wouldn't go out and invest in an area that I don't know. Um, I know that you know people previously on the podcast have been able to do that with success, uh, but for me personally, I know the area and I know what can make a good deal. Um, you know, so I, I think that's a yeah, that makes sense. I, I think, and that can be applied to anybody, whether you live in a small rural area or a you know big area. Is like, I mean, I know my area. I know you know my town. All the surrounding towns total make up maybe fifty thousand people all together in my whole county. So. If I can understand my county pretty well at 50,000 people, go find an area of 50,000 people and make that your your farm area. You know, just pick a small area of a city or pick one neighborhood and make that your area, make that your small town and just master that one part. So that is my that's my quick tip for the day. Yeah, quick tip. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna hop to uh, the the kinds of properties that, that you're investing in. So you you bought the duplex, you bought the liquor store. <laughs> you know, what what's next, man? You open up a pot shop or shop or something? <laughs> I mean, go well, go move out to Washington. Yeah, this State, isn't. This isn't. I was gonna say I'm not. I'm not in Denver, so. <laughs> <laughs> But actually, my sister did just move out to Denver this past week. So who knows? Uh, Maybe in the future. All right. <laughs> They're opening up everywhere. It's crazy. I, I can imagine. Yeah, we got four in my little uh, little town. Four of them already. So anyway. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So what kind of properties are you buying? Yeah. So for a while, it was duplexes. Um, we actually bought one single family that we were planning on flipping, and we weren't able to flip that. So we're renting that out now. Um, but mostly bigger multifamilies, and then, like I said, we're doing some business planning, and we may look into flipping more in the next year. What, you, what kind of bigger multis? Uh, four units and up. So this, uh, the building we bought where we put the liquor store was the first uh, fourplex that we purchased, and it was a mixed-use residential commercial, um, which was a good way to get our foot in the door for some of the commercial space. And you know, one of the things that I think people have said in the past is a lot of times you do just as much work for the bigger deals as you do for the smaller deals. And I definitely think that's an important piece of advice, but you have to understand what to do on those smaller deals before you can step up. And I think we're at the point now where we understand enough about the process that we can do those bigger deals. And what do those look like, the bigger, the bigger multis that you've acquired? Yep. So the fourplex is the biggest one so far. Oh, okay. Okay. But, um, you know, from there, we're looking, like I said, to four plexes and up. You mentioned that you tried to flip a house and it didn't really go well. <laughs> Can we talk about that a little bit and what what happened there? Because I've, I've been there a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that I think goes back to is, uh, you know, the rural towns and what strategies work. Uh, for us, one of the things we realized was your buyer's market is so much or your pool of potential buyers is so much smaller in a small yeah. town. Um, and then, yeah, 
And then really the biggest mistake that we made was thinking we knew what the ARV was uh, when we did it. So we picked up the property. We actually put the right amount of money into it, um, but we thought the ARV was about twenty thousand more than it actually was. So when we had it on the market, um, you know, it just wasn't selling. Gotcha. And that is again going back. That's another problem with investing in small towns is that it's a little bit harder. I feel like to find an ARV. I mean, I got a house in my town that sold for <laughs> yeah one hundred and ten. Another one that sold for one seventy, and I have no idea. Like they're the same house. And aren't you? Aren't you like your own comps half the time, Brandon? Well, multifamilies on my own <laughs> comps, yes, but single family, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I worry about that because if I'm going to go flip a house, I don't know if I'm going to be able to sell it for one ten, one twenty, one fifty, one seventy because there, it, it, there's been five sales of those style houses in the past six months. So how do you justify it? I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, and that's where you know, like I said, we're looking at it right now, and if we get into flipping in the next year. Um, we'll probably be up in some of the suburbs of Rochester yep. where it's you know a lot easier to find comps, a lot more potential buyers. Yeah. I think I'd like I like to keep my buy and hold where I'm at, but I I wouldn't mind moving up to like Tacoma or Seattle for my flipping. It just it makes more sense to have more buyers. So well cool. Are you uh are you going back to the buy and hold then? Are you managing your own properties yourself, like your dad, you know, taking phone calls or uh, do you have a property manager? Uh, so we manage them ourselves, and it's actually split between my wife and my father. Okay. Uh, so my my wife handles the calls, schedules the appointments, and then my father actually does the day to day maintenance as well as uh, some of the showings. Okay. Cool. That gotcha. Works. And and how's that going? Going well, I hope. Yep, going well. Um, one of the key pieces was you didn't hear me involved in that at all. Yeah. So yeah. that was a a great thing where I've been able to pull myself out so that things aren't hinging on me. Yeah, nice. very smart. So you go to work and they handle all the drama and all the maintenance, and <laughs> screening and everything else. That's a good way to be, huh? Fabulous. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And, and what about tenant screening? What, what is? Do you guys have a uh, particular screening process? What you know? What kind of criteria do you guys have have set? Yeah, so it was actually funny when you guys wrote the uh, ultimate guide to tenant screening, which is phenomenal, by the way. Great plug, um, by the way. <laughs> which I will uh, link to in the show notes, so if people want to check out. Wait, what, what show is this, Brandon? <laughs> this is show 45 of the Bigger Pockets <laughs> podcast. Anyway, sorry, continue. Um, you were giving me yeah, praise. So when you guys wrote that, uh, yeah, when you guys wrote that, it's actually the exact same screening process we use. And, uh, you know, three times, uh, you know, income, three times rent, yep. um, checking backgrounds, uh, checking credit. And uh, one of the things... That's big for me is really, uh, I think you guys call it the stress quotient, but I call it the headache factor. So after I get through all the screening process, I just look and are there any signs that this tenant is going to be trouble and really give me a headache because I don't want headaches. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that plug, you know, the screening ad is amazing. So I would highly recommend any landlords. Um, you don't necessarily have to follow each piece of it, but it's a great foundation. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think, I, I think it's great. I mean, yeah. Uh, to tout our own content, I mean, it, it really. The, the, well, the, I mean, listen. The goal was to to take what was out there and improve it, and and come up with the absolute greatest uh, piece of content about screening tenants that's out there. And and I think we did that. So, you know, check it out on the show notes at biggerpockets.com/slash/show45. Um, cool. So, what what about red flags? I mean, what you know, what would be the headache factor? I mean, is it is it a guy who drives up, everything looks good, but his car's got a bunch of crap in it? Is it, 
you know, the tattoos on the knuckles, what, you know, facial piercings. What, what, what are we talking about here? Mike Tyson tattoos right there. <laughs> yeah, Mike Tyson, huh? <laughs> you know, I actually saw Mike Tyson. I was in Vegas the other, uh, a couple days ago and, and was riding the escalator the opposite direction of him. Nice. And that guy, man, ev- everybody just, you know, everybody goes crazy when they see Mike Tyson. He's, he's just a monster celebrity. It's crazy. Is that how it is when you go to conferences, Josh? Everyone's like, it's Josh Dorkin. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's because they think I'm Adam Levine. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> it's true. Anyway, red flags. What do you look for? Yeah, so a lot of times it's just uh, the small things. So I had a blog post recently about um, walking through actually a tent that we were going to rent to. And there were just so many red flags that we ended up renting to another uh, applicant. But one of them was uh, we told her we would follow up with her in three days. And she kept calling us back in the meantime. Uh, another one was she had to move very quickly. So in her situation, um, I actually believe her and it was, uh, her landlord lived upstairs. He had a medical issue and he had to move downstairs. But you know, anytime that someone's got urgency or anything like that, it's a red flag that, you know, why do they have to move so quick? That's, that's a great one. That's a great one. Yeah. There's, there's usually a story behind it, right? Yep. Yep. And stories behind it usually equals, uh, uh, negative connotation in, in a lot of <laughs> a lot of cases. So yeah, yeah no, that's that's uh, that's that's great. Um, so so where are you at today? I mean, you know, you're you've got a bunch of. It sounds like you got a bunch of buy and hold properties. You got this this uh, mixed use. You're yeah uh, yeah. You've tried the flip thing. You know, looks like sounds like you're gonna get back into it. Uh, are are you? Is your goal to just keep building the portfolio? Uh, the rental portfolio and eventually start to get into the flips and and at at that point or somewhere around then you know thank your uh, your bosses very much and, and <laughs> move on on your own or or what are we thinking? Yeah, so you know I said at the beginning of the cast that my goal was 15 years and I wanted the option to retire. Okay, so I'm about uh, about halfway there, um, and I said the option because you know I'm actually very good at my job, so. You know, it's not that I'm necessarily going to leave, but I want the option to do it, which is great. That sounds like um, you love your job, which is which is awesome. Yeah, and you know, that's actually a good point. You don't have to get into real estate and think that you just have to leave your job. If you enjoy what you're doing, real estate can just be a supplement, and it can give you um, options and opportunity for the future. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Um, but for uh, for the next phase, I'm actually reading Jay Scott's uh, two books right now, which are phenomenal. Um, you know, uh, rehab or the book on flipping and the book on estimating. I think and, it's titled "Bigger Pockets Presents: The Book <laughs> on Flipping Houses and, and Bigger Pockets those, uh, Presents." Yeah, what? Those bigger pocket guys—they just got some good stuff out there. They do, man. They do. Yeah. Like a half-hour so commercial those, here. This is. Crazy. Yeah, this, <laughs> those books. Those books are really good, man. They're real. Jay is uh, Jay is a process guy. He's like super anal retentive about. Um, about really doing that, and and uh, the book is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and you know we talk about uh, you know the money you spend investing in yourself, and those two books I think were combined fifty bucks. Yeah. Um, and for the amount of, I mean, Jay's got a lot of experience, and the amount of uh, real life information that he puts in there, and the step by step process, uh, one of the best fifty bucks I've spent. Biggerpockets.com/slash/flipping-book. <laughs> nice. Check it out. Um, but. Uh, Let's let's move away from the commercial here. And uh, <laughs> this was completely unintentional, and sometimes it happens as as there's a lot of cool stuff on the site. But uh, I, I think I think we might want to uh, 
start easing into the next segment here of the uh, of the show. Fire round! Fire round! Fire! Fire! Good job. Good. What is the fire round, Brandon? The fire round is the part of the show where we throw some fiery darts at you while you get pinned to a wall. Sorry. Sorry. I was thinking of a circus I was at last week. All right. Now, the fire like round. Your, your fantasy <laughs> dreams, you weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> all right. These, these are all quick questions, quick answers that we get from the Bigger Pockets forums. So, number one, uh, this the interesting question. It said, Will tenants pay more if you roll the cost of different expenses into the rent? In other words, if you've got a property, let's say that you're fourplex. Could you charge your tenant for the water, sewer, garbage, and just divide it between the tenants and just add it to their monthly rent? You know, why or why not? Uh, yeah, I, you know, a lot of it's the convenience factor. So if you roll some of those things in, and the tenant knows they just have to pay their rent, they don't have to worry about some of the other stuff. Um, they'll definitely pay more. Uh, now, with that said, we in general like to put most of those uh, charges onto the tenant uh, because you know tenants like to keep thermostats at eighty degrees, and I don't want a high utility bill. Yeah. So they will pay more, but we try to push them back onto the tenants. And I think that's a safe bet, especially for new landlords to not do that. Because I, I personally have experienced the negatives of, of the 80-degree uh, thermostat and sinks running all day, hoses running, uh, you know, and those bills can get really crazy if, if, if uh, you let that happen. So. I put a lockbox over my uh, spigot at my the apartment complex. I put a lockbox because they were washing their car like three, four, five times a day. People were washing their cars. I mean, every day. Nice. At the car wash <laughs> down at Brandon's place, everybody come down. Yeah. Let's wash your car. I think that one lockbox, that twenty dollars lockbox, saved me saved me like four hundred dollars a month. It was insane. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. Anyway. I mean, so uh, quick tip: we quick had, uh, yeah, we have to pay uh, water in our town if we own the property, mm-hmm. and we got a we got an eight hundred dollar water bill because one of the tenants' toilets was running and they didn't let us know. So at Home Depot, they actually have uh, some of the parts you can put in there that'll make sure that it doesn't keep running. And I think it's a thirteen dollar part, and it would have saved us an eight hundred dollar bill. What is wow. that? What do you know what that's called, or can you? Uh, uh, we'll, we'll I'm not sure offhand. I'll, yeah, I'll give you a link. Next question is: What app on your phone can you not can you not live without? Can you live? Wait, can you, yeah, <laughs> what can app you on your phone can't you live without? <laughs> uh, for me, I'd say Dropbox. Um, so for anyone that hasn't used Dropbox, it's a cloud storage uh, platform. So I can. Put uh, documents in there on my PC, get them on my tablet, get them on my phone. And uh, one of the things that I do is my father gets uh, paperwork sometimes. So he'll actually scan it in. I have it scanned to Dropbox so that I can see it at my office without having to actually get the paperwork. Nice. Cool. All right. Third question then. What do you believe is your biggest mistake you've made in your investing career? Uh, Biggest mistake would be not understanding um, ARVs enough. So in our first couple duplexes, uh, once again, same thing with the flip, um, we renovated a little bit too much up front. We, we bought for cash, we renovated, and then we went to refi with the bank. And on those first couple properties, we ended up not being able to refi and pull all of our cash out. Um, so since then, we have a much better understanding of the ARVs, and we can actually pull cash out when we do a refi. Nope. Do you, have, you have any uh, quick tips on, on how to better understand ARV? Uh, so one of the big ones would be talking to local realtors. But uh, we're at the point now, just like Brandon, where we're our own comps. So when we pick up a duplex, it's comped against our other duplex. Gotcha. Right on. Okay. Next question. Let's say I own four homes and can't get any more loans. How do I proceed? 
so I mentioned it earlier, uh, private investors, and I think anyone that's been in real estate knows you start out with kind of general financing or whatever, but to really grow, it's the, the private investors. Yeah, I think that's good advice. And another tip that somebody had given us on that question was uh, to get the loans in your name, then your wife's name, then your business's name, and you know that on and on kid's name, <laughs> uncle's name. Okay, good job. Yep, that works too. All right. So, uh, next question. I'm going to a new location that I'm not real familiar with to look at properties to buy. What should I do first? Like, how do I get familiar? So I, yeah, one of the biggest things, and you know, it doesn't cost a lot of money. It's just driving for dollars. So, go up and down each of the streets, either driving or walking. Um, talk to the neighbors. They're going to give you more information than you can get anywhere else. Yeah, that's good. Good, good, good. feedback. All right. Last question in the fire round. Tenant drama. Man, oh man, do I love tenant drama. Woo! All right. How would you deal with two tenants who absolutely hate each other and complain to you incessantly? <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Um, a lot of times if tenants have issues, we end up uh, – typically what happens is it's not necessarily the tenants that complain to us, but their neighbors will. And uh, we'll just let them know to call the police. Uh, so they handle it in a lot of cases. Um, well, it doesn't bother you. You don't even answer the phone. You give it to your wife and let her deal with the drama. <laughs> exactly. You're a real nice guy, Tom. Yep. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Pawn um, it off to the cops and tell your wife. That's that's what you do. Outsourcing, right? There you, go. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, why don't we move into the final section of our interview, something we like to call the famous, famous four. Get All in right. there, Tom. Come on, man. I'm, su- I'm surprised you guys haven't outsourced that one yet. <laughs> Where I was going to. I just haven't got on fiber like to it. do it yet. You like, don't you like our operatic duo? <laughs> I, I do. And you guys actually get on the same key sometimes, which is sometimes, phenomenal. Sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> we do. Miracles happen. <laughs> All right. Famous Four. Let's start with your favorite real estate book. What is it? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I know that's the, the cliched answer, so I'll give a second one. Yeah. Um, you guys actually had him on, uh, Frank Gallinelli. Yeah. Uh, cash flow and 36 other yep. formulas that real estate investors need, whatever that title is. Yep. Um, you know, I think the process of real estate is pretty straightforward. Uh, it doesn't take much to learn how to do landlording or whatever, but really understanding the numbers and what makes a good deal. Um, that book gives you step by step what the key calculations are and then examples for it. That's awesome. Yeah, I you know, I love Frank. He's awesome. He is. Uh, he's probably one of my favorite people in the business. You know, he, the guy's like a he's a Columbia professor <laughs> who's teaching people real estate. I mean, you know, would you rather go to the guru who, <laughs> you know, is is done whatever they've done, or or you know, Columbia professor who's mad scientist with the numbers and can teach you how to do it. I, I, I pick Frank. So great book. Uh, good guy. Check it out. Yeah. And also I want to, you mentioned at the very, very start of the show, I just want to reiterate it here. You mentioned a book called uh, the automatic millionaire by Stephen Bach. I, I want to just recommend that people read that book it has nothing to do with real estate specifically. They have another real estate version of it, but the actual book itself was incredible. I thought a really, really good book. And I don't think anybody's ever mentioned it on the podcast yet. So anyway, right. Uh, we will link to that in the show notes. But favorite business book, non-real estate? So once again, the cliched answer, uh, E-Myth and 4-Hour Workweek. Yep. Um, both of those are about, you know, how do you outsource? How do you work on your business instead of in your business? But uh, I'm going to go and add some of my own. 
uh, Think and Grow Rich. It's a timeless classic. Uh, gets you in the right mindset. And then How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, I'm somewhat introverted, but reading that book and really understanding how to communicate with people. I mean, real estate's a communication business. So that book changed how I look and uh, at relationships and how I communicate with people. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Good choices. Good choices. Uh, what about hobbies? You uh, you live up in Rochester, so <laughs> you must like I don't know scaring abandoned buildings. What do you, what do, you do for fun? Uh, I was gonna say I get uh, I get sad every Sunday when the Bills play. <laughs> oh, there you uh, go. So my I have uh, my wife and two year old daughter, so they're in my world. Um, spend a lot of time with them. Uh, we actually have a home theater we built in our basement, so my wife and I do uh, a lot of movies. Um, I like to play video games, and then uh, you know, I like to golf too. When uh, we get a couple months here that it's not snowing, nice. That's cool. Nice. <laughs> yeah, right on. We should have a bigger pockets golf. Like we should have a bigger pockets online, <laughs> online video game tournament. Oh yes, for those people who play, I, I we definitely should. Like a, we, I, I don't know what's what's it like Xbox so, twenty seven now or something. Yeah, <laughs> Call of Duty just came out last week, so hit yeah. me up. Yeah, Tom is organizing the Call of Duty tournament. Make it happen. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, final question: What do you believe, Tom, sets apart the successful investors from those who just come and go and give up? So I'll first give the cliched one that's been repeated, and then I'll give my own again. Um, <laughs> persistence and consistency. Um, you know, you're going to be successful. You just got to keep with it and stay on. But uh, the biggest thing I think is understanding what your why is. And I tell people this all the time. You know, uh, you look at people that are successful at losing weight, and typically they're successful because they have a strong enough why, so that when things get difficult, they go back to that why, and that overcomes any of the difficulty. It's the same thing with real estate. You know, why are you in this business and what does it mean to you? And when you have that eviction or when you have that crazy tenant, um, your why has to be big enough to get past that. And as long as it is, you'll definitely be successful in this business. That is terrific advice. Terrific. Well, cool. Well, uh, well, why don't we, you know, wrap things up here, Tom? Where can people, you know, kind of connect with you and find more? I mean, obviously, bigger pockets, but. Yep. So I'm uh, all over LinkedIn, Twitter, um, G Plus. So. Cool. And you have a, you have a bigger pockets is a good one. Cool. And you have a blog as well at Tom, was that Tom Sylvester? Tom-sylvester.com. Perfect. Right check right, it out. There. And definitely be sure to check out Tom's articles on his Bigger Pockets blog, on his blog, on on the official Bigger Pockets blog, and everything over. else. Yeah, he's, he's global. He's worldwide. <laughs> uh, we definitely appreciate having you on the show. Uh, lots, of, lots of great feedback. Um, a reminder to those folks listening that uh, if they've got any questions for Tom, definitely uh, pose your questions in the show notes. He'll be there to answer them. Otherwise, uh, definitely check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, on G+. Uh, you can definitely network, link up with us on those places. And finally, if you haven't yet created an account on BiggerPockets, jump in, set one up. You can network with guys like Tom all day long. He's there to help out and, and, uh, and uh, come, come spend some time with us. We got a lot of cool notes, uh, co- cool links in the show notes this week. Uh, so make sure to check those out. And uh, when you have a second, absolutely make sure to check out the new BiggerPockets networking page at biggerpockets.com slash meet where you can find investors in your zip code within uh, various mile ranges of where you live and so on. So definitely you want to check that out to improve your networking. Thanks again for listening. I'm Josh Dorkin signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio. 
simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the BiggerPockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.